On today's show, we'll share our ideas on having more fun with your food, talk about some places with heated outdoor dining, new openings, and some fun wines we've tried. We'll also share our thoughts on what 2020 might look like. It's all coming up on the Seattle Dining Show. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... Revolve True Food and Wine Bar in Bothell, where a passion for wellness, wonderful food, and good wine infuses everything they do. All menu items are free of gluten, grains, preservatives, trans fats, GMO, and soy. Enjoy wild seafood, organic farm-fresh eggs, and seasonal organic produce. Find them at RevolveFoodWine.com. Hi, this is Chef Bill Raniger from Duke's Chatterhouse, and welcome to the Seattle Dining Show. Coming to you live from the Test Kitchen Studio high atop Queen Anne Hill, it is time for the Seattle Dining Show. Join us as we explore news about Northwest restaurants, take a look at upcoming events, discover new kitchen tips you can use at home, dive into great recipes, and much more. And now, here's your host, the senior editor, Connie Adams, and whoever else just happened to drop by today. Welcome to the January 2021 Seattle Dining Show number 2101, the almost start of our seventh year of this monthly show. Our first show was March 2015. I'm Connie Adams, senior editor, probably just the editor when we started. And I'm here with Tom Marin, publisher and owner of Seattle Dining. Hey. Hey. I'm a senior now. Yeah. You're the senior publisher. Yeah, the senior publisher. I'm the senior, I'm the senior senior. No, you're the senior senior. <laughs> you're the senior senior. <laughs> <laughs> wow. This has been quite the year. Oh, boy. Couldn't wait for this year to start. I know. 2021. We're happy you're here. I'm going to go down, roll up my sleeve, get my vaccine. I'm going to party all year long. <laughs> yeah. You know, partying has taken on a whole new meaning. It's like, I can go out to dinner with one other person. I'm so excited. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's hardly a party anymore, but just the thought of being able to get out and about would be lovely. Oh, we're gonna. Oh, we're gonna. We're gonna. Somehow, some way. Yeah. Well, we were thinking about things, um, how to make food even more fun than it is, because obviously we love food. But one of the things that started me on this path was one of your Christmas gifts to me. Mm-hmm. And what Tom did was printed out a menu from a restaurant in Canada that he has been to, I have not, but that he really enjoyed. So he printed out the menu and told me I could pick out an appetizer, an entree, and a dessert. I think he did that on purpose because no desserts were listed. But, um, and then he'll make it for me. But you could go on their website, can't you, and get... I did. It's not there. They it's just, not there. They just, so they you'll just have it. to... Okay, so this is a French restaurant in Kelowna, Canada called Bouchon. Yeah. And uh, should I tell the story about the last time I yeah. was there? It's amazing. So the last time I was there, I was on a motorcycle trip with a friend of mine, and uh, he was so appreciative that I took him on a five-day motorcycle trip that on the first night there, it was actually the second night in Kelowna, uh, but on the first night, he said it to me. He said, you know, Tom, uh, I, I'm so glad to be out riding that um, uh, why don't you let me pick up dinner every night? And I said, uh, Bob, my drinks too? And he says, yeah, I'll get you drinks too. Fool. So, of course, I took him to the most expensive French restaurant in Kelowna <laughs> the second night. And it was good. 
So I thought, well, I, you know, we're not going to get up there. And uh, Connie really needs to get some French food in her, I think. <laughs> so, uh, I'm sure he's right. So I printed out the menu and I said, pick a few things off of here and, uh, you know, don't, don't pick anything too too risky for me to try to make. Yeah, I immediately said, I want the escargot and the foie gras. He, he shot those down immediately. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I took out all my forks and started tearing apart the foie gras. <laughs> Another story. Because <laughs> I always have it handy right here, you know. <laughs> but I just thought that was such a fun idea because, you know, right now we're all cooking at home anyway. A lot of the time. And so why not find a way to stretch your skill set a little and to have some fun doing it? And it's really fun, I have to say from my perspective, to have somebody, you know, take that on and, and do it for me. So what yeah, a fun well, idea. Who knows what's going to happen. But. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, know, I already know what I've picked for the entree, and you've done this protein before. So oh, okay. You, you'll do a good job oh, of good. it. good. So we thought about that, and then we were talking about the uh, cinnamon roll smackdown that you came up with that was in one of the last issues. I think it was in December issue. Mm-hmm. So we did a little road trip, and we went to, uh, what, four bakeries. And I had already been to a fifth one. Right. And, uh, and we just sort of taste-tested cinnamon rolls that day. It was just two of us in the car driving around, picking up cinnamon rolls to go. Eating in the car. The what car? Eating in the car. Yeah, eating in the yeah. car. So we were we were safe, but we we got a little road trip in, which was very fun. We had a, we had all those boxes of cinnamon rolls in the back seat when we were done. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad there were no dogs around that we we've never have gotten out of the car. But that's you know, and we've talked about this since that this is a really fun thing to do, and we could pick something other than cinnamon rolls. I mean, if you wanted to stay on the sweet end of it, you could choose bakeries that do carrot cake. But it would be fun maybe to do an appetizer that you really love, calamari, and find five places along the coast that do five, you know, stuff like that. It's how fun. Or you could take it a step further and do it with friends separately. Like you could say, all right, in the next month, we're going to do five calamari um, and not tell each other where you're going. Yeah. And see what you come up with. Or you could say, these are ours, you pick five others, so you get ten. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, but no, I think you'd want to do the same ones, actually. I think it would you be could good compare. to do the same ones. Yeah. you got to compare afterwards, and then you guys can, you know, you can vote a winner. And and uh, and then when you can actually go out to dinner, you could go there and have it together. Well, yeah, and you could have your awards event over FaceTime. There you go. <laughs> and you could have calamari delivered and you could have your calamari while you're facetiming well you know now uh you and i are planning on going to oregon mm-hmm. around the first of april and uh we don't know what's going to be open and and if we can go into a restaurant then or not so mm-hmm. we're kind of planning this trip out like it may be sort of the to-go trip yeah where we're going to be getting food at you know, we want to get we want to get food from really good restaurants, and then we'll just be taking it back to our hotel, our motel, our yeah. yurt, our cabin. <laughs> I don't know. Our yurt. So it's going to be a different trip for sure. Yeah. And I think the good news is we we did our that little trip to um, in uh, last year, and 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 they had just opened restaurants back up. So every place we did try to go was like we're not open yet. It just happened today. We're not ready. 
So yeah. we still ate in our room. So, you know, I think the good news is that a lot more restaurants will be open for takeout. They've got it down now. You know, they've got a, a way to operate. So mm-hmm. we might have more choices than we did. So. Well, you know, if we can... I, we'll we'll talk more about it later in the show, but you know if we can get the vaccine going and we can get those numbers down on ICU, and then mm-hmm. that is going to kind of determine whether we can go sit down in a restaurant or not. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah, we will we see. We shall see. But I think that there's a lot of fun things like this to do. When I told one of my neighbors about the cinnamon roll trip, they just went wild, and they were like, "You guys have found a way." To mm-hmm. even make lockdown fun, you know, yeah, and it and it is you have to you have to look for stuff, and hopefully, as we get on this year, that things will loosen up, and we won't have to be so creative, but I still think this kind of stuff is really fun, so what a that cinnamon roll thing was just a Saturday afternoon, you know, I don't know what we were gone four or five hours, we saw some great scenery mm-hmm. we we had fun doing that, and we did have lunch someplace. So we yeah. didn't totally. We got up in out. the Cascades. We were up there at. Uh, uh, oh, jeez! Now I'm blanking on the little towns, but you know, outside of Darrington yeah. and uh, the North Marble Mount, Highway, yeah. Concrete, trying them all out. Yeah, and it's fun. You know, uh, these are names I hear all the time. And of course, my memory is so incredibly sharp. I'm always like, "Have I ever been to Concrete? I don't know." But I it, hadn't. Yeah, so it was fun to just see the little towns, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So I think there's, you know, it's a good thing to do. All righty. All right. I, uh, normally, right now, we talk about what we've been eating and drinking. And for me, in December, my eating out, which was, you know, entirely takeout, was nothing. I mean, I ate a lot more at home, and when I was out... It was just a quick stop, you know, at Taco Time or McDonald's or something. I didn't really do anything new. Mm. And then um, in terms of home meals, I seem to – I have no memory of early December, so I must not have done anything that was just wowing to me. And then in the latter part of the month, I was – we were eating things that I had made and frozen. Like we'd had chicken burgers one day, which were great, you know, but we'd made them before and we've talked about them in the magazine. Mm -hmm. And then over the holidays, we sort of said, let's not try something new. We don't want to wreck our Christmas Eve or Christmas dinner. So we did things that I've made before. So I don't even have anything at home. I think you have a lot more than I do. I did. I uh, I think I started off December by making that delicious chili recipe. That chili was very good. And that is going to be published in the January issue when it goes up this month. Exactly. And then uh, I made some Szechuan chicken, which I need to work on. So it won't be published yet. Yeah. We need to work on that recipe. The flavor of that was very good. It was the texture more than anything else. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, I, I came up with a way to do the actual Szechuan peppercorns uh, in a way they don't do them out mm. of that. And I just put them in a spice grinder and ripped them. Yeah. And man, uh, you don't need any more peppercorns around that. It's plenty hot the way I did it. And I could, you know, I would back that off a little bit. But uh, uh, like the chili had just the right amount of yeah. heat 
to it. Yeah. Uh, you took a bite, you felt the heat, but then you didn't feel it like you needed to go and drink some liquid or anything. Yeah. Other one more margarita would be okay. But. <laughs> Which is the normal pairing for Szechuan chicken. And then uh, for Christmas, you got me a very nice cookbook on Mexican cooking. Nice. Uh, or tech, yeah, no, it's Mexican cooking. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I gravitated toward an enchilada recipe that was a Tex-Mex enchilada recipe. And then I sort of uh, turned that into my recipe and uh, made it a little bit cleaner. You know, I don't cook with all-purpose flour yeah. or vegetable oil or any of the evil things. Wow. And uh, it came out quite good. Um, when you put cocoa powder in. It's what? You put cocoa powder in. I did. I put cacao butter in it. Always put a nice cow in your <laughs> No. I put cacao butter in or not butter, but powder uh, into it. And uh, got a little sort of a chocolatey mole thing, although it's not officially mole because it doesn't have a fruit or a nut in it. So you got to have that to be an official mole. Uh, But nonetheless, it was quite good. Um, In fact, it got me thinking about a little restaurant that used to be down in Portland, Oregon that closed in 2014 after 24 years of operating, Esparza's, one of the Best little Tex-Mex restaurants around, particularly in the Pacific Northwest. We don't have a lot of Tex-Mex mm-hmm. restaurants up mm-hmm. here. So uh, that's it. We're going to work on a business plan for the Tex-Mex <laughs> restaurant. Yet another restaurant that no one can afford because mm. it's all organic. And <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, I've been having fun in the kitchen. I also uh, went in and, and worked with their chunky guacamole recipe, mm-hmm. and that was pretty good. I don't normally put cilantro into my guac. And it had cumin in there, too. And cumin in there, yeah. It was good. Yeah. yeah. So I'll be... I'll be having more fun in that book. Yeah. Did you eat out at all? Did you do any unusual takeout? No, I did some takeout, you know, and uh, I'm just trying to support some of the places that are my regular places. Um, But the thing that I'm dialing into on the takeout is I know they can sell you alcohol, Mm-hmm. But I have all that stuff here at the house, and and I'm one of the people who has suffered through this, and I don't have a whole lot of income. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm trying to, to support people, and at the same time, I don't want to, you know, go broke. You can't over-support. Yeah, I want to be able to pay my credit card at the end of the month. Mm-hmm. So I'm not buying the the cocktails that they're offering. And uh, amazingly, uh, my credit card bills are lower. I don't know how that <laughs> yeah. works. So That is so true. Well, one thing I have been tracking, or did you have more to say? No. Uh-uh. Okay. Um, was a couple of wines that we've tried. Mm-hmm. Um, the first three are all very inexpensive. There was a 2019 White Vino Verde from Portugal, a blend, and the the. Uh, brand was Famega, F-A-M-E-G-A, and it's all indigenous Portuguese grape varietals. And I liked it. It Mostly, um, it was good with food too, but it's extremely light and Uh crisp and citrusy. So it was very nice by itself. Uh Um, It was in that $8 to $10 range. Then the Cloudbreak Chardonnay, We've had that a couple of times, mm-hmm. and and that's very nice. From California, barrel fermented. It's a little bit oaky and a little buttery, but 
not it's just touches on those you know it's not a heavy i like oak and butter i do too i could go deeper than that but this is nice as a i don't want ethan stole to steal that from me and open up a restaurant called oak and butter okay my god you you hear that tom douglas don't you go stealing my idea for oak and butter you veered from ethan to tom you are paranoid today ah kathy casey (laughs) i want to see oak and butter in the airport okay (laughs) i did see uh a culinary show on TV, and and this was in New York City, but there's some place called Pearl and Ash. I don't know what that's for, but hmm. oak and butter makes more sense to me. Pearl and Ash? Yeah, oh. A-S-H. Well, hold your tongue and say that. I'm not going to. It'll probably be nasty. <laughs> <laughs> then we tried La Vida d'Argentine, a winemaker's reserve red blend, 2017 from Mendoza. It was 60% Cab Sav and 40% Shiraz. I, I liked it. It was smooth with a dark berry taste. Uh-huh. I enjoyed that. And then this one I remember, the one coming up. Yeah. You want to talk about that one? Uh, it's from Bordeaux Cellars out in Woodenville. I think it's Boudreaux. Boudreaux, that's right. Yeah. Boudreaux Cellars out in Woodenville. And it Wood- isn't. I told you that, but it was Leavenworth. Oh, it was Leavenworth. It's Leavenworth. Okay. Winemaker is uh, Rob Newsom. And it was a cab salve that we had with our grass-fed prime rib on New Year's or on Christmas night, mm-hmm. and uh, it was really good. But you're thinking it's like seventy-five bucks a bottle? Uh, it was a gift, but I did go out and and look. Oh, okay. And it looks—I I wasn't sure, to be honest with you, without the bottle in front of me, I wasn't sure what year it was, or, or if it was a Vintners Reserve, or I, I wasn't sure. But most of their cabs were seventy-five. Yeah. Yeah, but it was it was good, and if you got an extra seventy five bucks laying around, go ahead and get one. Yeah, and you know what? It was not overwhelming. Sometimes Washington wines are really big and bold, you know, just such a flavor bomb. And this was um, a little more subtle. Yeah, I yeah. liked it very much. Good with the meat. Yeah, the prime and, rib. Kind of, I kind of had trouble with that one, but I I resurrected yeah. it, didn't I? Well. I mean, you know, I put the probe in the wrong part of the meat. Oh, oh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. That it was. We thought it was done, and it was not. And I pulled it out, and it was purple. Yeah, um, I thought you were going to say when they, when you bought it, they um, trimmed all the fat off. Yeah, and we were but actually we were getting pretty nice, nice meat off of that anyway. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and it wasn't like it was dried out or anything. So no, no, it was good. No, I do that twenty-four hour glaze on there. Yeah. That's the thing. That's that's what helps keep the moisture. Yeah. The Dijon and the shallots and mm. garlic, rosemary. If nothing mm. else, I mean, even if you're vegetarian, just make it and let the house smell like that. Oh, <laughs> my God. Hey, just throw the meat away <laughs> yeah. when you're done. You don't even have to eat it. Just get yeah. the house smelling good. There's got to be somebody in the building or next door who would eat your meat. You know, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to take a little break. Yes, we are. Take a little break, and when we come back, uh, we got some news bites. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Salty Seafood Waterfront Restaurants. Visit them on the water at their Alki, Redondo, and Portland locations. Hi, this is uh, Brian. Uh, I live in Seattle. Uh, If I were to recommend a place to go, it would be La Cosho, the Harbor Steps. Reason why uh, is something new to experience on a regular basis off of uh, Matt's menu, and uh, I think the variety is excellent. Hi, this is Brian Carter from Brian Carter Cellars. 
and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. back on the Seattle Dining Show. I am Tom Marin, the publisher. I'm here with Connie Adams, the senior editor, front of the house. And uh, we are going to get into the News Bites portion. Now, uh, keep in mind, there's always News Bites happening, and Connie keeps those updated on a fairly regular basis. So you can go online to seattledining.com, click on News Bites, and get the latest. Yes. So what's going on? Well, some some semi-good news out of downtown Bothell. Uh, last month we, we said, we reported that Revolve Food & Wine said they're just hanging it up until either the weather permits outdoor dining again or restrictions are limited, lifted. But since then, uh, they got a lot of requests for meal boxes for Christmas. Mm. So they went ahead and did meal boxes. They oh, had good. a bunch of cocktails to go. They've got some beverage things going on, wine sales and things. So I, they're really kind of not quite closed. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't go in and it's not every day that you can just order and stuff. But keep an eye on their website and their Facebook pages because they are still doing stuff. They haven't really just shut down like they were talking. And that's one of those places where if you were looking for a field trip, go out there and pick up some food from them and take it home and yeah. heat it up and enjoy it. Yeah. Good food. Um, little uh, heated patio update. Duke's now has five locations that are covered in heated outdoor dining. Kent Station, South Center, Lake Union, Tacoma, and Green Lake. And Daniel's at both Leshye and Lake Union have covered in heated patios. You and I haven't done a heated patio yet. We have not. No. Well, well you know, it's kind of limited, so I, I, I feel like I'm going to let all the listeners take those take seats those that we would have taken. Yeah. The only uh, really outdoor dining I've done was really at Eden Hill, and that was during the summer. Well, actually not. That was October. It was a nice day, actually. We sat outside. It was before they had tents up. We were just at picnic benches on the street that they've commandeered mm-hmm. and closed off so that they can have uh, outdoor seating there. But, yeah, I really haven't been in a – I was Dukes at Green Lake. I sat next to a – this was a lunch time, and I did sit next to a heater, and it was fine. So, interesting. Um, Other than the rain, I'd almost rather not be in the tent, you know. I'd rather have the air really circulating, but you can't count on weather this time of year. Uh, The Wing Dome on Seattle's waterfront also has a new covered patio and a couple new cocktails. Um, And then this is the big wine news for the day, that the Tint Cellars opened their tasting room and event space in Georgetown on the 18th of December. So they took an old building. They've done a lot of work on it, but it used to be a scooter shop. What was the name of it? It was uh, Vespa of Seattle, I believe, is okay. what it was called. And there's a little scooter on the roof that's been there forever, and they left that. Yeah. And there was a picture of a, a painting of a chicken that they've somehow removed, and it's inside so that it's safe from the— If you took that scooter off the roof, the roof might leak. So you better leave it up there. Maybe. They've probably redone the roof. They did a lot of work on that building. (laughs) They really started that 
as an event space. And then, you know, clearly events aren't really happening. So they're using it as a second tasting room because they're in Woodenville. Oh. So they're, they check their website out because you can go down there. And they even did a special rosé for their grand opening. So um, I don't know if, that's, if there's any of that left by now or not. But anyway, that's a fun thing. Huh. And then Populux Brewing in Ballard closed permanently on December 23rd after eight years. That kind of surprised I've never me. Been there, so I hadn't either, but it just uh, and there certainly are a lot of There's, breweries. Yeah, so many little brewers in Ballard. So it's uh, maybe it was just a competition as well as the pandemic. But it just seems like drinking is such a popular thing during the pandemic that usually <laughs> yeah, I'm but not, you got to do it at home. <laughs> I'm hearing restaurants closing. Not uh, yeah, yeah, but you can buy you know all the beer. True. So I'm a little surprised. But it's all know. the craft beer people competing against each other. Yeah. When, like I say, you you know you can go buy some pretty decent beer at the grocery store. I don't drink beer anymore, so yeah. Now maybe that's it. Maybe that's why it's they you. Went out. Yeah, they said, all my fault. When we can't get the publisher of Seattle Dining to come out, there's just what's the point? <laughs> We're lost. <laughs> I did not realize this. I'm not sure when it happened, but Bizarro Italian Cafe in Wallingford, which mm-hmm. has been there since 1986, yeah, opened in second location in White Center. What a weird time to open up a new location. Well, once again, I don't know exactly when it happened, but I had not heard about it, and I think it's fairly recent. Huh. So, they I do- like Bizarro. Um, I do, too. You know, it's, 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 it's stuff that I wouldn't use in my kitchen at home. It's, you know, a lot of white flower yeah. stuff. But it's such a fun little place to it go is. in, and all the kitsch everywhere. You could yeah. go there by yourself, and you'd be entertained. Yeah, yeah. It's really, it's fun. The White Center locations doing takeout and delivery daily from five to eight. We and don't have as many fun restaurants like that anymore, you know. Now it was I, a big did the thing. Coastal Kitchen did they close? Yes. Yeah. yeah I mean, that was yeah. always fun to go there. Yeah. All the staff is yelling back and forth yeah. at each other and even, making jokes and stuff. Even the five spot. Yeah. I talked to Peter yeah, Levy, and gone. he was no, it's still not open, but he. He said he had a really good relationship with the landlord. Oh. He's hope, he was hoping at the time I talked to him, which is several months ago, that another round of stimulus would come and help small businesses, oh. and that might see them through to open up again. But so far, it's not open. So hmm. it's been a couple months since I spoke to him. So if you're listening and you're opening up a restaurant, make it fun, will you? Yeah, make it fun. <laughs> <laughs> communion. You know, I read this as communion R&B, but I think it's restaurant and bar. Um, owned by Christy Brown of That Brown Girl Cooks. Uh-huh. She has opened communion with her son, Damon Bomar, in the Liberty Bank building in the Central District. Again, you know, right in the middle of the pandemic. And I saw a, a uh, an interview with her, and she was just saying, you know, we'd been planning this for so long, and we were full on, and it was just like, we're not going to stop. Huh. So um, they're doing takeout delivery, and they do have heated outdoor patio seating. Maybe some of these restaurants should just remove the roof off of their restaurant. There and you then go. they'd have outdoor dining, right? Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't have to change anything around otherwise. And then it would be no big deal to put a new roof on, you know, when you could. Yeah. If you were thinking <laughs> about putting a new roof on, tear the old one off now. <laughs> you probably don't even need a hood anymore, you know? Just go straight up. Uh, Aviv Shawarma Bar is from the same people who have Aviv Hummus Bar. And this Middle Eastern spot is in South Lake Union. Similar menus, but the one in South Lake Union, the new one, has some extra 
items. And also you can buy some things in bulk for your pantry down there. So mm. everybody's kind of moving that way right now. Yeah. So, and then Parish Northwest took over the Sexton's spot in Ballard, and it is a Cajun Creole restaurant. Oh. And it also has a covered heated patio, so that is something I think we'll need to look into. Oh, yeah, we're going to go check that out. Yeah. Maybe we'll do some outdoor dining after all. Yeah. I think we might have to start the year off right away. We'll get our little down sleeping bags out <laughs> yeah. and cut holes in the sides of them. You know, I saw online today one of the surprising must-have items. A Snuggie. No, a blanket carrier. Yeah, there you go. So you can take your blanket and eat outside all well, the see, time. See, I own like four Snuggies. Yeah. I got hooked into that Snuggie thing. You did. You got me one, and it's still in the closet. So. <laughs> the problem with our Snuggies are they are so full of cat hair that I don't think any restaurant wants us There's no problem with that. That's a, a added insulation. <laughs> Nothing wrong yeah. with that. Are the cats cold? No. Yeah, I think Snuggie ought to be making some big money right now. <laughs> I just don't like the way they 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 don't have a uh, attachment on the back, so the back's always open, and you're yeah. constantly trying to because you're really not supposed to be moving around vertically in the thing. You're supposed to be yeah. laying down. Yeah. So, well, there's always a problem, isn't there? Let's see. The Post Pike Bar and Cafe is next to the Broadway Post Office in Capitol Hill. It's an all-day spot with sandwiches for breakfast and lunch using bagels from Westman's. And they also do espresso and takeout cocktails, so that's a new spot. And then today, just today, I drove by this like an hour ago, and I'm, I'm doubting myself now, but I thought that the Pasta Bella on 15th in Ballard uh-huh. was gone. There's a whole big new sign, a big white oval sign that says Nolita, Food, Friends, and Wine. Oh. But I when I got here, I... I looked Nolita up, and it's nowhere. Uh-huh. And I looked Pasta Bella up, and it says temporarily closed, but you can get our food at our sister restaurant, Pasta Fresca, so just order and pick it up there. Huh. So it, I'm, I'm thinking, was I on a different block than I thought? So now I'm going to have to uh, pay attention next time I roll by there. and yeah. see. But there is something new in Ballard called Nolita, N-O-L-I-T-A. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. I seem to think I saw that when I drove down there the other day. I, I don't know. I think it has to be a fairly new sign because it really caught my eye. I mean, it, it was like this big white oval with black lettering, and it, it really caught my eye. And, and I think it's if Molita it, with an no, N? No. Like Lolita? N like Nancy. Oh, Nolita. Yeah, okay. Nolita. And I, I looked that up, too, and there's nothing online about it right now. Huh. So... Don't know. I don't know. Well, I'll tell you what. That's it for News Bite. Shall we whip into the calendar items? Because there's a giant number three. Uh, yeah, let's do the calendar here. Okay. Uh, the first one is an Italian wine scholar, Unit 1, and it is a wine course plus certification. I've never heard of this. It's from Cellar Muse Wine Events and Education. I mean, I... I hope they're for real because it's $695 for the yeah. course. And then you pay for the wine, 150 for oh, the wine. Oh, my goodness. So it's not cheap. And obviously it, it's um, seven, seven courses, seven uh, classes, classes, and then your exam. So it's an in-depth study of Italy's wine-producing regions, grape varieties, origin of cultivars, geological exploration, vine cultivation and viticulture, history of the region's winemaking, 
food specific to each region and regulations for wine category. So very uh, thorough, I think, sensory evaluation of the wines assessed in each class. Um, it's a If you get a certain score, you get awarded the internationally prestigious title of Italian wine scholar. So hmm. you have to be 21, clearly, to register. And the class classes are Mondays 6 to 9. What if I'm 22? Pardon? Uh, what if I'm 22? Oh, yeah, you could go ahead and do it. Oh, okay. You just have to be 21 or over. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the class date's Mondays 6 to 9. There's three in January, three in February, one in March, which is a study review, actually, and then the exam on March 22nd. Hmm. Oh, Interesting. The other interesting thing I ran across today, and I had not heard of this before, but it sounds like it's something that's been going on for a while. Esquin gets a an allocation of bourbons, high-end bourbons, uh-huh. apparently each year. And because there's such demand and such limited availability, they do a random drawing. So you can go out and look at their – and on the – on our uh, – calendar. Mm-hmm. I put the link in there that takes you and shows you which bourbons okay. are available. And if you want one or more of them, you have to do an entry for each bourbon and say what you want um, and you have to put the name of the bourbon, your name and your name and phone number, and then they draw the winners and as a winner, you get the opportunity to buy, to buy the it. wine. Yeah. And if you don't, then it, it goes back out, I guess. So the uh, they're going to draw the winners on the 6th of January, and then you have to pay by the 8th. These are ranging from $300 per bottle to 650 per bottle. Wow. So, Do they have boat parking? Boat parking? Yeah, I was saying, only people who own nice boats can probably buy that stuff, <laughs> yeah. so they probably want to be able to pull up in their boat <laughs> down at Esquire. Or a plane. Maybe they've got helicopter landing on yeah. the roof. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that was interesting that they're doing it that way. Hmm. The last thing is uh, Cider Summit, and they're accepting pre-orders for their festival-to-go tasting kits. This is in conjunction with CiderCon, which is a conference for cider makers put on by the American Cider Association. Um, And these tasting kits can be ordered at CiderSummit.com with pickup, delivery, and shipping available the week of February 1st. Um, Each tasting kit has some ciders, ciders. Let's see, tasting glasses. Interesting, apple and pear-shaped stress ball. Why would anyone need a stress ball right now? Um, And promotional items from participating cider makers. Uh, So that's there's two things you can go: the favorite festival favorites tasting kit at fifty four ninety five, and the artisanal import kit at fifty nine ninety five. Shipping and delivery fees are all additional. Yeah. So you've got to make sure you know what you're doing before you. And probably tax too. Yeah, I'm assuming so that. On the prices, it says base price of fifty nine ninety five. So there's obviously more coming. Yeah, yeah. But if you're really into cider, this would be kind of interesting. Hmm. Oh. Well, you know, we were talking about holiday meals and and uh, eating at home more, or else venturing to restaurants for your holiday meal or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I just want to put a little reminder into people that now is the time to start doing your research on restaurants that you might have wanted to go to for Valentine's Day, but you probably Mm. won't be going there. But they'll probably be doing some to-go kits. And so um, I noticed as I was working through our 
uh, social media feed that a lot of places they only took Christmas res- uh, yeah reservations for Christmas kits up up to about December eighteenth. Yeah. So you kind of got to get on it early uh, if you want to support those guys and not be shut out. Yeah, and uh, the some of the larger places, but that are independently owned, some of them are um, pretty good about getting that information out quickly. Daniel's, my God, Daniel's texts something or emails something every day. Yeah, I found that annoying. Yeah, Dukes is kind of the same way. <laughs> Barking Frog is not doing that, but they are. Barking Frog and Salties are always way ahead. These people are organized. Yeah, you know they always have their events down for the year, and they so go out to their websites and, like you said, any any of your favorites, and uh, they'll they'll have that information up pretty soon. And of course, as soon as I hear about it, I put it on on the uh, calendar. Mm-hmm. So and and generally, what I was doing over the holidays was I if it was a Christmas dinner, I just put it under twelve twenty five date, even though maybe you had to order by the eighteenth, right? Because you know, yeah, it was just all pop over. That stuff into the calendar, yeah. and then people know. I know. I, I see. Uh, we have Herb Farm showing up in our feed, yeah, and so we can be putting that stuff up and mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. all right. Um, let's take a little break, and when we come back, we're going to get out our crystal ball, and we're going to talk about what you might expect coming up in the next few months. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Esquin Wine and Spirits. Drop by and check out one of the widest inventories of wines from around the world, as well as local and international spirits, all procured by their expert staff. Is your wine collection ready for a new home? Esquin offers monthly wine store storage lockers in a temperature-controlled environment. Visit their website at madwine.com today. Hi, my name is John Blair from Walla Walla, and when I visit Seattle, one of my favorite places is Wild Ginger. I'm Kelsey Jones from Seattle Magazine, and you're listening to The Seattle Dining Show. back with the January Seattle Dining Show. I'm here with Tom Marin, publisher and owner, and I'm Connie Adams. And we thought we would, just as the Mr. Owner said, bring out the crystal ball, talk a little bit about what we think might happen in the next few months as, as we move on through the Postulize. pandemic. Yes. Is that the word, postulize? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of broke this down from, into restaurants and then beverage wineries, Breweries, cideries, distilleries, and then groceries. Uh-huh. So let's start with restaurants. What, what's your feeling that's going to happen in the next few months? Well, so uh, in general, we, we know there's a vaccine now. And we know that once that vaccine gets distributed well enough, those ICU cases are going to drop. And when we're not filling up hospitals anymore, we can start having normal... They'll probably move to like the 50% thing for a while. Probably 25 to start. Maybe 25. And mm-hmm. then uh, I think that probably, you know, they're saying that they should have pretty good distribution on the vaccine by April. 
So either before then or around then, uh, we're going to see we're going to see stuff get lifted one by one, and eventually by late spring, I think we're going to be in a normal uh, living again. Oh, I hope you're right. That feels yeah. like not very far away. It it seemed like this could never go on more than a month, and now it's been ten months. So you know. April seems almost close. Well, actually, I, I always expected this to go 18 months. I, yeah, I, you he know, did I say that. Listen to what yeah. – there was somebody who was saying it was going to be over by Easter. I don't remember his uh, name. Yeah. But, I don't know uh, why the word orange happen. keeps popping into my head. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. And I've talked to a number of chefs you know, since like April of last year, and they were all like, yeah, this isn't going away anytime soon. No. So. This is really following the 1918 pandemic. Pretty darn yeah. close. Except that we have a vaccine. So, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking a little further out than just a few months, but I was thinking in terms of people who are closed or temporarily or permanently, they may come back in a new form. Uh, we talked about this one other time that chefs may see this as a opportunity to try something they kind of wanted to do and couldn't with all their other obligations. So maybe they'll come back with something new. Yeah, like we saw them uh, close down the Mexican place down on Greenwood. Oh, Ocho? Uh, H-O or Ocho. Yeah, Ocho. Oh, it's H-O. H-O, yeah. H-O. Uh, and now it's coming back as the Martinos. Martinos, yeah. yeah. And I think these are all the same owners, aren't they? Well, it's like a or, collective yeah. of guys and they all – Invest with each other yeah. in different configurations. Yeah. So, so I don't know. That's that's going to yeah. be interesting. See, there's another one that just popped up in the middle of all this. You can't you can't have any indoor dining. Yeah, but, but, but you uh, know they they are of course that's a bigger space for them, and and they were primarily takeout before at Martino's. So they got the takeout thing down, and then when they can't open, they've got the space to open. Mm-hmm. And maybe they, you know. Since that was one of that group's spots, um, they may need to do something with that space because they're probably in a lease contract. So, so. so there's a lot of restaurants that are not coming back. But there's a lot of wait staff out there who isn't working or working a little bit here and there. And I think one of the trends that's going to happen coming up here is uh, training is going to be a huge trend because you're going to be basically, even when they restart some of these restaurants, it won't be the staff they had. Yeah. And they're going to have to go and take all these new people that they've hired or used to work over there or used to cook over there or whatever, and they're going to have to train them you know, with their, what their ways are. Yeah. So it's almost like reopening new restaurants all over the place. Yeah. Even though some of them have been, have been there, but mm -hmm. you know that's going to be an interesting trend. I don't know how you can. Yeah. Someone will figure out how to capitalize on that. Any of those third-party training companies. Yeah. So. I think we're going to see some more partnerships. Like for instance, Ethan Stoll has been really good at this. He'll put, he'll do the food for a bar or a venue of some sort. And Tom Douglas has done that too with like the Paramount Theater. Mm -hmm. You know where he does, and he's he's partnered with. San Juan Seltzer, and you know, I think you'll see that because when when people, you know, when there's more than one person in there, they're financially stronger and they've got a bigger team, and so yeah. I think we might see some. I think we'll see smaller places come back. I don't think we're going to see the big square footage. You know, no, it's it's too much, and 
and it's kind of and, unsupportable. And then there's all the vacant places that are probably going to turn into something. The 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 Blue Acre location, the yeah. Steelhead location, yeah. the Orfeo location. Those are all just sitting there dormant right yeah. now. But, uh, you know, they've got these full kitchens in there. May not have all the equipment in them, but, they, yeah. you know, it's... They don't have to be built out anyway. Yeah. yeah. So um, <clears throat> it's going to be interesting to see what happens with all that. And I I wonder if certain staff members are going to get called in by whoever the new owner is. Yeah. And, uh, and get hired into, a, you know, a new situation. Because, um, I mean, you know, if you take a look at the at the Davis... Collective, they had really good people working for oh, them. Oh, yeah. And so those people need jobs. And even though those restaurants aren't there for them to go back to, whoever's going in is probably going to say, hey, you know, how do we get to this guy? Because he was always wonderful at doing this and yeah. that, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I think there's going to be less change than we think in terms of people wanting to eat healthier and demanding that of restaurants. I think that trend is still going to go, um, that people want to be healthier. But I look at at kind of human nature, and you'd think that with all this horrible health problems we've been going through with the pandemic, people would look at everything they could do to be healthier, including what they put in their bodies. Mm-hmm. But I think everybody's just going to want to go wild once I you know. can, you know, they're just going to want to go get their favorite stuff and go out all the time. I think. Yeah. I think things will. I'm hoping things will pop back uh, pretty quickly, so that restaurants can start making some money again. But I think people are so ready to go that, you know. Well, I don't think we're going to see any restaurants change their menu into a healthier direction. Mm-mm. You know, mm-hmm. if it's a Chinese restaurant, it's going to be making the same Chinese food yeah. they were making before. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I guess I say that because there's no healthy Chinese restaurants out of there. Well, you know, the thing is, a lot of Chinese food is not bad for you because it's a lot of vegetables. But oh, they yeah, don't. I mean, the quality of protein maybe is not there, and who knows what kind of oil they're all using. The things made with doughs and the kinds of yeah. oil that you know. Yeah. You, you don't hear about a Chinese restaurant that's cooking with avocado oil. They're all mm. cooking with soy oil, vegetable oil, yeah. all the oils that are not good for you. Yeah. And people are just going to keep eating that. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, in terms of wineries, breweries, cideries, distilleries, I don't see. A lot of change here because they a lot of them have done okay during this time. Not everybody, mm-hmm. obviously, not Populix Brewing, but um, there might be there may we may see more pop up where people open a second location. Um, I think people again are going to be so excited to be out and to be social that places that have space doesn't have to be huge, but you know places you can go and talk to your friends and hang out for a couple hours. You know, uh-huh. I think people really go for that. So, and I think all the Woodenvilles and the Georgetowns are going to get just you know tons of people visiting because everybody's yeah. been inside for yeah ten months and they're they're ready to get out. Yeah. Um, in in terms of groceries, again, I would say, what what do you feel? Are there going to be more high end markets, or is it is it going to be pretty much the same breakdown it is now between? bargain markets and that medium kind of thing with Safeways and QFCs and then the Whole Foods and Yeah, I don't think that's going to change. Yeah. No. Yeah. And you obviously know, I, groceries did well. So. I always hope that some people have learned how to be, 
you know, how to how to cook things at home better, healthier for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I don't know. You know, I, I I didn't have much trouble finding what I was looking for during this whole thing. Yeah, food wise. Well, we talked about this before that we'd go in, and some shelves would be almost empty except for the organic stuff. Yeah, but that's um, right. now now I I've gone into places where. I'll see an empty shelf and it's the organic something. So either they didn't get that much in. I was or... bumping into that when I was looking for flowers and then I go down to PCC and everything I wanted was right there. Yeah. I'm thinking maybe it's sheer volume. Like a Safeway, may, their clientele may not go for almond flowers and coconut flour. And so they don't bring in as <laughs> much. They have it. But it can sell out quickly. Right. So know. then when they run out of all their regular stuff, then people are buying alternates, which, are, are, which may be organic, yeah. and then they run out of that. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. yeast was a serious problem for probably three or four months. Well, and remember gelatin? Yeah. You couldn't find gelatin anywhere. Yeah, and I, a lot of times I had to come home and just buy stuff online. I didn't yeah. want to buy a five-pound bag of almond flour online, but that's, yeah. that's where I had to go to get it. Yeah. So yeah. I try to shop local if I can, but if they don't have it, then I'm going to have yeah. to buy it online. You know, it's funny, too, and maybe – well, I think I was like this anyway before the pandemic, but it's almost like you're so happy to have something to do to go to. But I shop at like four grocery stores now. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. there's certain things I want, and so especially around the holidays, uh, you know, I went to the grocery store like three days in a row and like two grocery stores every day. Because I, you know, I either didn't want to buy something till right before, or I needed this at a different a different grocery. Somebody else didn't carry it, or I happened to like like their meat better or something. Yeah. So it's like that's it's, like the story of my life, though. Yeah, I'm constantly at different grocery stores. Yeah, I know who's got what, yeah. but uh, you know, I can't find certain things at one ever, mm-hmm. and then another one always has it. Yeah. So. I want to know where all the frozen cherries go, organic frozen cherries go. Well, I get them at PCC. Yeah, oh, yeah. And I, well, I see, I don't find them at PCC. I find the blueberries, but I can't find the cherries. Yeah, they're, they're over near, near the blueberries, but they're not the same color packaging. Yeah. It's a different. I'm wondering if, because uh, when I go to PCC, it's almost always the one in Ballard, and I think you go to the one on Aurora. Yeah. So, uh, yeah Green Lake. Yeah. Yeah. Green Lake um, 1. Because <laughs> they have the other one over on the east side of Green Lake, Green Lake Two. Well, what do you foresee for yourself in 2021? Because one of the things you said to me recently was that you were really actually enjoying being home a little more, because we go out a lot. Uh huh. And you were enjoying that. So, what do you think when when things are a little more normal or new normal, and you can go out? What do you see? Um, I'm. I'm going to do more cooking at home. Mm-hmm. I became a better cook through this. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm always working on becoming a better cook. But this has really been like kind of forced on you, you know. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> I don't want to be getting to go three or four times a week. Yeah. Uh, I'd rather just cook like, you know, cook up a bunch of enchiladas and have a few leftovers out of that. Mm-hmm. And, uh and so finding those types of dishes and going back and getting that Szechuan chicken where I want it. The way I remember having really good Szechuan chicken, which I've just not ever found it here in Seattle. But I used to get it in L.A. and a couple of different places. 
So I'm going to keep fleshing that one yeah. out. Um, and I, you know, kind of like hanging around here at home in the evenings. I, I kind of, even before the pandemic, I really kind of stopped going out late night stuff anyways. Yeah. And I was spending more time at home. So it wasn't anything to to have to groove into. Yeah, I was not, already doing it. Yeah, here. it wasn't a total adjustment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I feel somewhat the same. I miss going out, and it certainly it's about the food, but it's also the atmosphere. I just the the socialness of being in a restaurant with people around you, and yeah. you know, I I miss that. And of course, you and I tend to sit at bars and eat mm-hmm. a dinner at at the bar as well, and and that's you know I miss that. That's that's very social. Yeah. So I do miss I miss it a lot. And I kind of miss all my social friends, but I have been keeping up with them on Facebook. So yeah. many of them, not all of them, because yeah. some of them aren't on social media. But um, that's been kind of fun because, you know, I, I do like to go out and play music in a bar. Mm-hmm. And some of my friends like to do that. So then we just start throwing down these playlists right on social media. Yeah. And and I've been collecting some of that and, and keeping records of it so that when we're all together again, I'm going to bang out like – five or ten of those songs yeah and uh and they're gonna go oh yeah this is that playlist we all talked about yeah so i don't know yeah i love music you do you know a lot about it and food i love food which is good yep well do we need to take a break um or do you want to no you want to close the show we up? can just close it up because sure hey, it's January. It's not like we have a bunch of advertisers waiting to get advertised. <laughs> Please come into our restaurant while we're closed. Um, we always like to end the show with some tips, and we've been talking about this the whole thing, so my tip is nothing new, but I was just going to say keep supporting our restaurants. Take out local or self-delivery, outdoor dining if possible. Watch their websites and Facebook pages for virtual events. Try some new places. Follow your favorite chefs and winemakers. You know, just help help them without hurting yourself. And we were talking about the cocktails um, and how I don't I don't buy into that. But mm-hmm. you know, someplace like like Revolve, that's that's some mixology going on there. Yeah. I'd, I'd buy one of those if I yeah. go out that way to get some food to go. Oh yeah. So yeah, there's there's so many really good mixologists in Seattle. So mm-hmm. you know. So, um, yeah, and some of those things you're not going to make at home because they're either going to be bitters that they've been working on or some infused vodka or whatever. You're you're not doing that at home. Yeah, I'm pretty – my drinks at home are pretty – if they're spirits are pretty simple. I don't want to – if I have to have five ingredients and go out and buy stuff that I'm not going to use again – Mm-hmm. For a while, you know, it doesn't make sense. So no, my my home mixology is the margarita that I make with the uh, Hornitos Reposado, the uh, Cointreau, and the Cascade Ice Lemon Lime, <laughs> yes, which no mm-hmm. no proud mixologist would ever do. <laughs> uh, well, my tip is uh, it's kind of based on cooking over the holidays, but I'm finding now it's actually it's an essential thing for me to do. When I start a cooking session, whether I'm making dinner for you on a weeknight or whatever, first thing I do, take out the trash. Mm. Get all the trash out, even if you're only half full. To get the compost bin out, get the garbage can out, get the recycle bin, take them all down, empty them all out, and start. So you don't have to do that in the middle 
of of a cooking session or when you wake up in the morning those cans aren't completely yeah. full now obviously you know sometimes you like to have crab so uh, okay. that has to go out that, that has to go night. out or the tip i learned from my parents is if for some reason you can't take it out that night put it in the freezer you know, you could put it in the freezer, and the other thing you could do is you could take those shells and you could put them in oil the next day, and you could, uh, you could get a stock. really nice sort of a, a well, like a like a like a shell type of oil, like a like oh, yeah. a not just stock, but what, you can use those in oil to make like yeah. a scampi. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, I mean that's really good, but you can also make um, like a soup, like a bisque. Yeah, it's really good with the shells. It's it's just a deeper flavor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. So okay, so maybe we won't need to take those shells out then. No, not immediately. Well, we couldn't even find Dungeness crab. Yeah, the Oregon. Christmas. I heard that the Oregon fishery was closed down for some reason, and so we'll just wait and see what happens this month. Hmm. Well, maybe that'll drive the price of Dungeness crab down if there's a whole bunch of extra plentiful amount next year. I hope so. That hmm. would be that would be great. All right. right, So I think it's time to wrap up. This is the end of our January show. Thanks for joining us. If you're not already a subscriber to our online magazine, it's free to do so. Just visit seattledining.com and click on subscribe free. So uh, dine well and support your local restaurants. Become a better chef at home. And we will see you in February. See you then. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Seattle Dining Show. This program is a copyrighted production of Mixed Media and may not be reproduced in part or in whole without written permission of the legal owner, all right? However, feel free to share the link with all your friends on Facebook. Studio equipment for this broadcast was purchased locally at American Music of Fremont Icon. The views and opinions expressed on this show are exclusive to the hosts and guests and do not reflect those of former employees of Bill the Butcher, the Surrogate Hostess, the Beeline Diner, Louie's Chinese Cuisine, the Dog House, the Five Mile House, Charlie's, the Twin Teepees, Ocean Air, Benjamin's, the Madison Park Cafe, or any other lost Seattle icon. Subscribe free to our monthly magazine online at seattledining.com and join us next time for another edition of the Seattle Dining Show.